Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two, three, and we are a go. everybody welcome to another episode of the lonely heart sports podcast we have a few topics on hand to discuss this week quite a few more than we had thought actually so we'll jump right in and we're going to begin with a preview of the suit of super bowl 56 sunday will be probably one the big the biggest game in american sports the biggest game in North American sports out of the big four, out of anything that happens in North America. So the Super Bowl in Los Angeles, the Rams versus the Bengals. The Rams are playing in their home stadium, second time in the history of the Super Bowl. Back-to-back years. So this second time that this has happened, home the team, a team will be playing in their home stadium after the Bucks did it last season. So... There's a few things to look at here. I mean, we've got we've got the Rams who are returning to the Super Bowl for the first time since they lost to the Patriots. We've got the Bengals who are making their first Super Bowl appearance since they lost Super Bowl twenty three back in nineteen eighty eight back in nineteen eighty nine. Uh, we've got two four seeds here actually. So we've really got like a we we we've got we've got Joe Burrow, baddest man on the fucking planet, honestly, or at least the baddest man in the NFL. And then you've got just got the star-studded Rams here. So there's a few different angles to look at this here for, about the game, uh, in terms of like what to look forward to, what to preview, what to discuss before they kick off on Sunday. I'll let you take it away here. What you're looking forward to in the game? What do you think some key takeaways may be here? All right, like at the beginning of the season, most people expected. This to be the Super Bowl, uh, clearly with the Bengals. Um, but <laughs> I love it. It's a great I, start. Sorry, sorry for the shot there, Cincinnati. But you guys got there. Now, as a matter of fact, they can finish it off. And I mean, LA kind of, especially this year, more or less, have kind of thrown all their eggs into one basket, and they have been in win now mode for the past couple of years. But this year, now they finally got there with adding Von Miller and Odell Beckham. So they got to the big game and for the Rams, it like I said, they're in win now mode. And I think this is a year this probably has their best chance to do it, especially with that D line and how they have looked all season stacking up against the Bengals old line who we have seen in all season, not be great, especially in that Tennessee game uh, when Burrow got sacked nine times and hit 11 or whatever it was. But um, that's probably, to me, this game comes down to the trenches because we know Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase can single-handedly take over this game if wanted. But I think it comes down to how that defense of the Rams play because this defense is probably one of the best we've ever seen, I would say. Um, I mean, they've had, they're just stacked with guys, to be completely honest. Um, but like I said, Joe Burrow is just – he is something else, man. I mean, with what he can do, I mean, we've been able to see him now escape pressures and make plays with the speed – kind of like what we see from like the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes type. And it's just amazing that he took this team here just a second year in the league and last year kind of just all throwaway because of the injury. Well, he came back and I, that, that is how I look at, I mean, Matt Stafford finally gets to the big game after being stuck in Detroit for forever. And I just think that offense is, if they can get clicking are so good as well. It's just the fact of like what Matt Stafford will show up for that offense 
because I think this Bengals defense, um, if they can kind of get to Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford's going to be in trouble. I know he has Cooper Cup and Odell, and really they got three great running backs. I'd probably only be using two, I would assume, though, for the Super Bowl. But um, that, that's how I look at it. It's, it come, this game's going to be – I'm going to hate myself for saying this, but I think this game comes down to the defense – um, even though all season we have been wrong about there where offensive can offenses can just take over games. Um, but I, I really, I don't know who I'm picking up for the Super Bowl. While we talk about it more, I'll make my decision, but I am a big, especially with who I want to put money on for the Super Bowl. I am so torn with who to bet for the Super Bowl. I can understand that there. So I look at it this way. I look at it this way from these angles here. So obviously it's going to one of the, I look at these three keys to the game. The key one key to the game would be obviously the battle in the trenches between the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line and also obviously uh, the Rams defense and also the Rams defensive ends and their linebackers. You know how how well they can prevent the Rams front seven to get from getting to Joe Burrow and not just the offensive line but also the run blocking game too, especially with Joe Mixon. Uh, another key to the game, I believe, would be how well the Bengals secondary, particularly Eli Apple, would be able to shut down Cooper Cup and by shut down and not necessarily shut down, but limit his pro- productivity. And then another key to the game is, is, as you mentioned, what version of Matthew Stafford and the Rams offense will show up? Because if the Rams if the if if the Rams offense that showed that played in the first half of the NFC championship game shows up, they're going to have a party in Cincinnati the next day. If the Bengals offensive line that played against Tennessee shows up, they're going to have a party in Los Angeles all night into the next day, possibly into next, possibly into the following week, maybe until baseball season starts, but that's, and maybe until baseball season starts for the Dodgers, whenever that happens. But so I'll go back to my first key to the game. The Bengals offensive line that we have talked about has been kind has been like, it's been the X's and O's like, how good can the Bengals offensive line stand up against tough physical defenses? We saw that against the Titans in the divisional round, they gave up nine sacks to the Titans defense and yet they still won the game, but they still gave up nine sacks uh, and they were unable to protect Burrow. I think think this defense though uh, in the Rams is too good to give up big plays. Even if Joe Burrow like gets sacked nine times, they still can try to win this game. I think this secondary of the Rams is better than Tennessee's is. This is very, very true. That's why I'm saying that. Like, because the thing is, is that like, it goes down to like their third and long passing. So like if the Bengal, if the Rams front seven gets to Burrow, if the Bengals have to face multiple third and longs where Pat, where the passing game has to get more involved, obviously, and not, and obviously not with like check downs or like seven yard two or passes under 10 yards or whatever we're going to have to talk about balls that are thrown deeper than 10 yards obviously potentially uh so the third and long situation will come into effect there obviously i feel like the ram that is where the rams thrive actually not only with their front seven but also with their secondary 
And if the Rams are able to force the Bengals to get into those third and long situations, that is a battle that I think the Rams can win there. Going to my second point is obviously Cooper Cup is, well, man's going to be offensive. The man is going to be offensive player of the year, in my opinion. Um, uh, when they announced who, when they, when they announced all the awards, uh, for the NFL, whenever that happens, um, Cooper cup, obviously been a key factor to the success of the Rams offense. Obviously it all depends, comes down to, it will come down to how well Eli Apple will be able to contain him. But the thing is though, is like when it comes to the Rams and their offense, as you had mentioned, they still have Odell. And Odell's been a superstar. He looks like that he has he looks like Odell when he was on the Giants in the early years of his career. Obviously playing on a terrible team, but he stood out. Um, so if Eli Apple is able to contain Cooper Cup, are they going to be able to stop Odell? Van Jefferson, capable third capable number three receiver, um, able to make some plays when needed as well. So it all comes down to how well the Bengals secondary would be able to contain the wide receivers of the Rams and also how they will stack up against and also how the Bengals defense will stack up against the run game of the Rams as well. But the thing is, though, is that that's where it ties into my third part. If the Rams offense that, as mentioned, if the Rams offense that showed up against the 49ers in the first half of the NFC championship game shows up as if they didn't even leave the bus, Cincinnati's going to win this game. The Rams cannot have at any point in the game, a bad day on a bad part of the game on offense. They can't have a bad day at the office on offense at any point in the game from kickoff to the end of the game, has to be a per- not a perfect game, obviously, because, well, only one team has done that, and we saw that in the, in, earlier in the season. But they can't have a game where they mess up. If they make one, if they, if they, if they get stalled, if they don't, if they're not moving the ball downfield, the Rams are not, obviously, the Rams will not win this game here. Their defense, obviously, their defense will be able to do their job, but the offense, the offense would need to, the offense needs to do its part on the field as well. And because based on, based on how we saw against the Titans, the defense for the Titans did their job against Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and everybody on the Bengals offense, but then their offense didn't do enough. I mean, this team, this Bengals offense has put up points like all season, even, exactly. in, even in losses, this team has still found ways to score. So if I'm the Rams, Yes, my defense can do its part, but Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are going to be able to find a way to get points. And then the fact is, what is this Rams offense going to do? I mean, we have seen this Rams offense not really be great at some points this season. Um, Like you said, it comes down to Matt Stafford, what he can do. I mean, don't get me wrong, Matt Stafford's a great quarterback, but he will have those hiccups, and the hiccups in the Super Bowl will kill you. Oh, hiccups anywhere will kill you. If he, man, if the man throws an intercept, if the man throws, if the man turns the ball over more than, if the man turns the ball over once, not to, not, don't worry about that. But if the Rams offense turns the ball over like they did against the Buccaneers, <laughs> you're not winning a Super Bowl in your home stadium. They're, they're partying and <laughs> they're partying and they're partying in Cincinnati. And I mean, 
it is that that's exactly what's going to come down to. I think it's going to come down to, as you mentioned, it's going to come down to, it's going to come down to, it's going to be the battle between, it's going to come down to how well the Bengals, <coughs> it's going to come down to the offenses actually, not the defenses. I think the defenses will be able to do their part. It's just a matter of how they're all, how the offenses will stack up against the defensive matchups. It's be- Especially as mentioned with the Bengals offensive line against that front seven of the Rams. And then as you mentioned on for the Rams, what Matt Staff, what version of Matt Stafford shows up. If you have crappy Matt Stafford from if you have crappy Matt Stafford from when he was in Detroit showing up, forget about it. Game's over. If you have Matt Stafford that showed up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week three, there's a damn good chance that they're gonna win the game and he could potentially get Super Bowl MVP. But nonetheless, I think that this should be a good game. I think that this would be an enjoyable game to watch. Uh, this is actually the first game in a while that I actually would not. I would not care who wins based on the teams for the most part, which is crazy. Well, like we said last week, this is the two most like two of the most likable quarterbacks in the league. Um, the only issue I could see is with someone picking. Besides, if you're a Rams or Cincy fan, clearly, um, just hating Odell Beckham and wanting Cincy to win for that reason. But I'm with yeah. you. Like, I don't care who wins this game. I don't care who wins this game either for the most part. Odell, Odell has deserved better. And I'm not saying that as a Giants fan because we, I knew the team sucked and we didn't do enough to help him there. But his situation in Cleveland was 10 times worse. And, it pro- and we were able to obviously find that out like when he got traded. So if he wins a Super Bowl, good for him. No ill heart feelings there for that because uh, it's well-deserved. Um, Matt Stafford wins a Super Bowl. Good for him. It's well-deserved. I will say this, though. If the Rams do not win the Super Bowl, Obviously, the season is a failure, and there are going to be a lot of questions that would need to be answered in the offseason because they gave up a lot of draft capital and they gave up a lot of their future to get to where they're at now and try to win now. Yeah, it's going to be an issue if they don't win because, I mean, like I said, the past couple of years, they've been in this win now mode, just trying to do everything they can last year with acquiring. I believe it was last year when they acquired Ramsey from the Jags. So it's like, and then this year, like I said, with Stafford, Stafford, Von Miller, Miller, Odell. Odell, and like you said, they're just giving up all these draft picks. So like, if you don't win now, where do you go from here? Because like you said, there's no draft capital there. Their salary cap is going to be through the roof within the next year or two. So it's like, if they don't win now, they just put themselves in a big hole. But I mean, this is what they wanted to do, though. They wanted to win now and they got there. So now they got to go do it. Exactly. They have to go do that. Whereas the Bengals... Well, all joking aside, uh, when you mentioned, oh, yeah, this is a Super Bowl we expected, obviously we did not expect the Bengals to make it this far. We didn't expect the Bengals to do anything, to be honest. But the thing is, though, is that the Bengals have a young core where their average age is around like 24, anywhere between 25, 26 years old. So they have a pretty solid young core. Their cap space isn't completely terrible. They have a they have their franchise quarterback and wide receiver. And... And the uh, 
And the thing is, though, is they'll just need to improve their offensive line at the end of the season based on what's currently. And then they can be a force in the AFC for uh, for a good few years there, not only competing in the division with Baltimore, um, and I'm going to wipe out Pittsburgh and Cleveland in this situation because those two teams are going to be inconsistent based on who they have at their quarterback. Um, but then not also competing with Baltimore in the North, but also competing with the likes of Buffalo, Kansas City, maybe the Char- maybe the Chargers, not um, uh, and the tight maybe the Chargers, but also the Titans uh, as well. Uh, for you know AFC playoff AFC playoff supremacy for the most part as can as true contenders for that so the Bengals really have nothing to be worried about here for their long term but it would be nice for the Bengals to it would be good for the Bengals to win this game because then they know that they have some that they are able to build off of something regard uh if they win this game here and then the future would look brighter than if they lost it uh lost the game whereas the rams as we mentioned they have no future no draft capital and my hot take my hot take is this if they lose on sunday i'm firing the general manager monday morning Mm. that's my hot take i would have to fire people I mean, I don't think. I don't think it's going to happen. I think. I think if they don't win, I instead of going GM because clearly what they've done has worked the past couple of years. Not in the fact that they won a Super Bowl, but they've been there and had chances to. Um, I true. do think you probably just make trades and get some of your draft capital back. This is true. This is true. I just think that maybe firing somebody would, you know, cause a stir. Plus, it'd be interesting for my own amusement. This is fuck, true, but yeah, fuck, I think fuck you gotta, that man, Kronky. I think if they don't win, um, depending on contract situations, you're going to have to move players around and get some of that draft capital back because right now they don't have a first-round pick till when, 2023 or 24? No, 2025, maybe 20, 2024, maybe 2025. So they don't have one for 22. They don't have one for 23. They may or may not have one for 24, but I know that they have one in 2025 um, for that, uh, for that in the draft. Um they really don't have a lot of high round draft picks over the next couple of years either. The only reason why I said fire, I'd fire the general manager or make or or just cause a stir is because like you built the team to win now and gave up a lot of the future. And if they had to trade people away, they're the getting the draft capital that they would want would not like the getting the draft capital would not be equivalent to what they traded away. They would probably, if anything, based on the age of the players and the contracts and everything would be mid round draft picks at best, in my opinion. Agreed. But it's better than nothing. This is very true. It is better than nothing. And then obviously, and obviously not going away from the game here. If the Rams were to do that, Mid-round draft picks do tend to have some steals, obviously, but that's if they lose the game. My hot, my hot take there, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Obviously, they still have to play the game on Sunday um, based off of everything there. Now, based off of everything that we had talked about there, where has your mind been swaying in terms of who do you think will win the game compared to who you would want to win? I genuinely, I like my heart 
is telling me to pick the Bengals, but my mind keeps going back to L.A. And all I can think about is the Super Bowl being rigged. And L.A. needs this to win so they can pay off their stadium. Um, I Yeah, because God knows Kroenke's not going to give that money to Arsenal. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I'm, I'm going to go Bengals. I'm going to go Bengals. Good, good choice. Good Bengals choice. 34, Rams 28. Good choice, good choice there. Because the podcast, we we either we we're, we're either two and zero on this, or we're gonna or we're going to or we're gonna be eating our words uh, next episode here. But I am taking the Bengals. All right, and I am going to say took my points for the Bengals. I'm not okay with that in a way because I was gonna say thirty four two. Um, we'll just say it thirty four twenty four Bengals. They they're gonna win by ten. I think they'll win by 10. Okay. 34-24 Bengals. Um, I'm taking them to win the game. Uh, betting purposes, I'll take a look at everything Sunday morning, and then I'll take and then I'll make my decisions on that there, see if I want to follow through with anything, uh, anything betting-wise there. But I may. I most likely will. But that's a whatever there for that. So we're picking the Bengals to win. Um, obviously... Well, now my question is here: is this here? If the Bengal, if since we're picking the Bengals, who Super Bowl MVP? Who do you think Super Bowl MVP will be? Do you think it'll be Joe Burrow or Jamar Chase, or do you think if the Bengals defense actually does it, does a pretty good job, somebody on the defensive side would get it? Um, I don't know. I feel like it's going to go to one of the quarterbacks. Ah, uh, yeah, I think it'll, go, it'll probably go to Burrow if he has a good game at quarterback. I can't remember the last time a wide receiver got uh, Super Bowl MVP. May have been potential. No, Edelman got it. They gave it to Edelman. Did Edelman get it? I think they gave it to Edelman in one of the Patriots Super Bowls. I think he got it when they beat the Rams. Actually, um, let me. I look. I don't know. I feel like I'll look it up, but I I would think probably just one of the quarterbacks. So if the so. So we're picking the Bengals to win. If the Bengals do win, Joe Burrow Super Bowl MVP. If the Rams somehow win and our prediction is wrong, you think it'll be Stafford? Stafford, unless somehow like Aaron Donald has like five sacks alone. Yeah, five sacks alone. Okay, I think that'll be the case there. I mean, I understand that. If the Bengals win, I'm gonna go with the white. I'm gonna go with Jamar Chase. Um, yeah, you were right. Julian that. Edelman was the last one to win it in 2018. And then before that was 10 years prior when Santonio Santonio Holmes, Holmes, uh, because he caught the game-winning touchdown against Arizona. I knew that one. I remember that one. Um, uh, But, yeah, with my Bengals prediction, I think Jamar Chase will win Super Bowl MVP. If the Rams win it, I'm going to go – I'm going to have – you know, if the Rams win it, I'm actually going to stick with my wide receiver route, and I'm going to go with Cooper Cup. I'm just sick and tired of seeing quarterbacks win Super Bowl MVP award. Yeah, I threw you. F- yeah, I threw the ball. I had five touchdown passes. One guy caught four of them though, but I did. I did the work. Good job, buddy. You you deserve that. You can go to Disneyland now, or <laughs> Disney World, wherever the fuck you want to go. I but forgot, I forgot this. I forgot, I forgot the MVPs do that. Yeah, they, yeah. If the Rams win it, they'll probably take the cheap way out and just stay in California and go to Disneyland. Um, uh, 
if the Bengals win it, I can see them just saying, if the Bengals win it, if, if, a Beng- if the Bengals win, I can see Super Bowl MVP just saying, fuck it, I'm going to Florida party for a week, which I wouldn't be surprised there. I can't um, wait to see both of these quarterbacks, as you've seen from college, some of their pitchers coming back up. Um, I just can't wait to see how drunk either of these quarterbacks are the next day when they do their interviews. Oh, that would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. I mean, Joe Burrow at the end of the game, if if the Bengals win, Joe Burrow is just going to have another cigar, you know. And Joe Burrow, moment. after LSU won the national championship, uh, was very hungover for his interviews. And I remember him on part of my take after he, when he was hungover. And then mm-hmm. all the pitchers are resurfacing of frat Matt Stafford from college. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Uh, they're making yeah. the rounds this week because of the Super Bowl. That would be great there. Uh, that would be hilarious. I would have to tune in to watch those. Um, but those are our takes. That's our. That's where we think the keys of the game will be. We think the Bengals will win. Will we? Will we be right? We'll. We'll. We'll find that out on Sunday around what? Around what? Or ten o'clock potentially? Maybe uh, 10, 10, 30? Actually, probably later with all the with, with everything that goes on with the Super Bowl and just the big, just the show they put on out outside the Super Bowl. I'm ex- curious. I'm excited to see the halftime show, though. I hope it's not a disappointment. Uh, oh, I am excited to see that, too, actually, because my thing is, is I like how they're going to West Coast. I'm excited that they're going with the uh, West Coast hip-hop, uh, with the West Coast hip-hop roots uh, for the halftime show there. So my thing is, is I just want to see, like, how many songs, like, like, would one would each of the performers perform one a couple of their own songs? Will they collab? Will they do like some of the collaborations they worked on together? Because um, we're not only t- talking about like we're practically talking like three decades of music like between all five of them that they can go through, which is insane with all the hits. I don't even know like what songs they would even be able. What, I don't even know what songs they would perform. That's the crazy part. Speaking of songs, what are you thinking on the over-under for the anthem? Um, I believe it is set at 135 right now, and it's Mickey Goyton who's singing it. I'm going. Oh, I'm going with the over. They're gonna have to make. They're gonna have to make sure that they go. Uh, that they get everything like you know, like for the land of the free. But the last two times this singer has sang a national anthem, though, they both came under at 90 seconds. I did my research. Ah. I'm just going to go with the over because I can see like, you know, making sure like the end of the song like coincides with the flyover and they may go over that a little bit. So I'm going with the over this time. I like, the, like you said, the over has hit the last nine years. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going with the over and over is due there. Um, uh, but yeah, with the, with the whole show and everything. Huh. Game's probably going to end. By the time everything's over, it's going to be over by like 11. Then they'll have to jump into the Olympics, whatever they're going to showcase then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what would be on there. Like probably curling. Unless <laughs> curling's over. Uh, I'm okay with that. I'd be good with that. I can watch I like, it for a little bit. I like too. curling. Yeah, same. I watched that a little bit today there. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the game. I'm looking forward to the game. I know you are as well. So I think it should be, I think it should be a good... I think... We should be in for a fun one here. Some um uh, should be in for a fun one. Hopefully it's a close game. Uh, hopefully we get our result that we are picking. But let's move on to our next topic here. We'll go into hockey. We'll go into hockey. 
So we are unofficially officially into the second half of the hockey of the NHL season since they had their all-star break uh, and they had all-star weekend last weekend. And we are officially into the second half. Games have been this is games have been happening all week as like throughout the league. This is the first Sabres game that this is the first time that the Sabres will be playing in well over a week. They're playing the Blue Jackets tonight. Um, so I'll let you go into it. What are you looking forward to in the second half of the season? And what do you have any takes for the second half of the season? Um, so I'm actually looking forward to Jack Eichel coming back just first and foremost. I know now he's out of a non-contact Jersey and, uh, with Mark Stone getting hurt, it does open up a roster spot for Eichel because I know they are going to run into uh, salary cap issues once Eichel is reinstated. Um, but I, I'm excited to see him play again. I mean, this season has been, I mean, clearly not for the Sabres. It's been kind of like a letdown, but all in all has been like very competitive. And I mean, you got a t- couple teams right now who are just completely buzzing. Um, I'm still sticking with the fact that I think I picked them in the beginning of the season. Colorado Avalanche are going to win the Stanley Cup. Um, they've been humming recently, and they are um, eight points atop of the division, and they have three less games played than who's in second in Nashville. Um, but Nashville in that in that Central uh, Conference, I mean, so there's so many good teams. I mean, Minnesota has been on fire recently. Um, they're only they got 59 points. They're sitting in third place right now, but have five less games played than Nashville. Um, I mean, Vegas, as we kind of all expected, has kind of picked it up um, ever since they got over all their injuries. They kind of picked it up and are playing their best hockey right now. Um, up top, though, when we go to the Easter, I mean, Florida, we got the two Florida teams on top of the Atlantic, which, I mean. No surprise, though. If, if really. you told me this in 2008, that both of these teams would be top of the East, I wouldn't believe you. Um, yeah, this is very true. But, I mean, now looking at it, it's really no surprise. I mean, Tampa, the two-time defending cup champions, doing what they do best. It's kind of hard not to bet against them, though, to win the cup. I mean. No, it's they, really not, honestly. I mean, they're just they're just so deep, and that's what helps them come playoff time. Um, what I'm really looking forward to, um, just, just going back to the Sabres here for a second, is just I heard Owen Power is going to be joining the Sabres as soon as his college season finishes. So we'll probably get about a month or two of him whenever I don't really remember when the national championship is for uh, hockey, but we'll get to see Owen Power in a Sabres uniform by the end of the season. Um, in the Metro, you kind of got the four teams up top that you kind of expect at the beginning of the season, uh, minus the Islanders. I mean, that Metro is just so strong. I mean, it's probably the toughest. Uh, Metro is the toughest division yeah, in hockey, the toughest right division now. hockey right now. I mean, you got the three teams up top sitting at 65, 64, 64 points. And it's like, they're all, I mean, Carolina has just been a wagon this year. And I mean, we've kind of seen this in the making the last couple of years. And I think they can finally take a deep uh, cup run, but I still like my avalanche. I mean, just with every player they have, I know McKinnon's out for a little while. I'm not sure when he comes back, but with that injury that, cause that he sustained from that hall hit, I don't know if you saw it or not. I did see that. I, mean, I, I don't I think was it was dirty. I don't think it was dirty either. I was good joking. Say he only took that hit so he can go in disguise to the Olympics and dominate them uh, with a bunch, dominate a bunch of kids. Uh, yeah, I mean, that are participating in the Olympics. But obviously this team is just so team. good. Just looking at, I mean, you got Kadri who has been on a tear this year. I think he's already up to sixty points. 
Um, then you got Miko Rankinen and uh, Gabriel Landeskog doing their thing. And then they have the best defenseman probably ever in Kale McCarr. Yeah, they have the best defenseman in the league right now in Kale McCarr. Kadri does have about 60 points. The last I knew, he, he has more points than McDavid last time I checked, actually. Yeah, Which... I, yeah I'm, on the, I'm on the stats right now. Yeah, he's got 60 points in 41 games played. I mean, th- this team is just humming along right now. And it's fun to see just based on the fact that I picked them to win the cup. Um, their goaltending has picked it up as well. I mean, but it's also easy to be an avalanche goaltender when they give up probably 15 to 20 shots a night. They're just that good. Exactly. Um, but- I mean, we're looking at that with how Philip Grubauer, Grubauer has been playing in Seattle. I mean, you, <laughs> Philip Grubauer hasn't had the greatest of seasons in C- in Seattle. So maybe it's more along the lines that he was just on a great Colorado team. And now we're seeing Darcy Kemper in his, taking over taking over the goaltending role once he, he was acquired from the Coyotes. And he's actually been having a pretty good season himself. So it could be a tale of two things. Either Darcy, either Colorado just got, has been lucky with goalies and Darcy Kemper is actually a really good goalie or the defense in front of him is actually just that fucking good. Well, I do think Kemper is a good goalie because I thought he was a good goalie in Arizona. He was just stuck in a shitty situation. Yeah, he's stuck in a shithole. I know. But I mean, there, there is a dark horse for me that I don't think anyone really kind of expected this year. Um, is Minnesota Wild. I mean, they are a dark horse. And they're going to be a tough team, team come playoff times with just how big and tough this team is. I mean, you got Krill the gritty. Thrill doing his thing. Um, yeah, they are gritty. I mean, Marcus Foligno's having a career season for himself. He already has 17 goals. Cam Talbot's having a damn good season for himself right now, too, even though he's 34, even though he's already 34 years old. This is very true. I mean, you got Zuccarello doing his thing. I mean, Alex Goleski for a defender is having a phenomenal season, I believe. Um, and he's also, I, I, he's in his late 30s, I believe. I know he's been in the league for a while. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota's just finding their ways to win. I mean, they're a fun team to watch. I mean, all the players that we've just mentioned, they're great. They're, they're having a great seat. They're having a great season. They're, they're just playing great team hockey with their style of play. And they're not actually relying on anybody, like any one person. So, you know, and this team, this team is running four lines as well. If you watch everyone, their fourth line is averaging like 10 to 12 minutes a game, which is a lot for a fourth line. Which is a lot for a fourth line. Usually you'd expect them to get maybe even half of that if they're lucky, honestly. But, but yeah, I mean, Minnesota, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how they perform in the, in the second half of the season. Hopefully keep everything up there. Um, looking at looking back at the Sabres, I just want to look forward to some I, – I, I don't expect much as we talk about the team. I just look forward to hopefully some consistency with wins. I mean, they have the talent and they – they have the talent there. They it's just and they're they're they can play a good game. But the thing is, though, is the consistency in terms of like, you know, holding leads, uh, you know, just holding leads, just applying pressure on the ice, like it's there and then it's not. I'm just like, can we be consistent? That's the only thing I'm really looking for. That's the only one thing I'm looking forward to seeing improvement of. Another thing too is I'm just hopefully looking to, as mentioned, Owen Power. Like he should join the team in April. They actually have a handful of games in April for uh, for the remainder of the season. So, if anything, maybe get him at the beginning of April, like to start the month. Maybe not, if not that, maybe just like before mid-April. But 
everything should be good on that. And, and the goaltending looking promising as well with Devin Levi, the season he's having in college right now. I believe he leads the NCAA in uh, shutouts. And I think he's might probably might be a favorite for MVP. He may be a favorite for MVP. He's actually he's on the Canadian Olympic team because uh, he went over with Owen Power. I mean, he did, he did yeah, not I dress he, today. I he, yeah, I was going to say, only because they played at night. Well, they played this morning, so he did not dress. But I wouldn't be, you know, I hope he dresses against the United States. If anything, maybe, hopefully he will play, like, at some point in the tournament because I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. Maybe they can call him. Maybe they can, like, give him a game or two uh, at the end of the season as well. But going around the rest of the league, as you mentioned about the Metro, I, I'm just looking forward to the competitiveness of the Metro, obviously, with those four teams. Um, the Rangers have the Rangers, you know, the Rangers have impressed me based on how they uh, based on how they've, in my opinion, under underachieved and underperformed the past couple of seasons with the talent that they have on their roster. So they've impressed me. Um, Sidney Crosby, one goal away from 500. Hopefully he'll get that soon. If he hasn't already, I know he scored 499. I think it was the other night, but uh, yeah, they played. They play the Sens tonight as well. So I'm hoping he'll he'll get that. If he doesn't, uh, if he if he if he doesn't get that tonight, hopefully he'll get that soon. My, another thing too is out west, like you said, Colorado, Vegas, uh, Colorado, Vegas, Nashville, um, all those teams. Another thing that should be interesting for me for the second half of the season, not in terms of playoff, but more along the lines of the bottom feeders of the league. I want to see how Montreal does with Martin St. Louis as their interim head coach. That was a weird signing. I mean, I saw you post it on Twitter, but I agree that was weird. That was definitely an interesting hire. Um, uh, I want to see how they do with that there. And then, well, Edmonton must listen to us because they fired Dave Tippett today. And I kind of want to see how Edmonton does with their interim coach uh, after firing Dave Tippett. Because, well, Connor McDavid can't take any of the can't take any of this much longer, in my honest opinion. So I kind of want to see how the Oilers' season goes from here. Whether or not they make the playoffs, that's another story. But four coaches in seven years, like I, I, if the Oilers' mess continues for the rest of the season, like I. I'm thinking maybe like, would he want to leave? But that's another conversation we can have on a different podcast episode. But I want to see how that, I want to see how that goes along too. Um, and then another thing too is for the second half of the season, I just want to see if Trevor Zegras pulls any more tricks. I want to see like what he's, I want to see what he can try to do on the ice in terms of being on the puck and off the puck for the ducks. Like, Man, the man is just a show, honestly. Yeah, and the Ducks are sitting in a playoff spot right now. Exactly. The Ducks are sitting in a playoff spot right now. So the du- him and the Ducks would be an entertain would be something to watch for too. And I mean, that's pretty much it there. I mean second half of the season should definitely be interesting. Whether or not you uh, follow any teams that are the bottom feeders, or if you choose to follow a team that uh is in the playoff contention, or if you don't follow a team, you just like a play, like you just like certain players, like Trevor Zegras, um, you know, anybody like you know Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, uh, you know, 
if you want to fo- or if you're just looking forward to seeing any potential prospects come into the league after the uh, NCAA season, I think this is something. I think the second half of the season should be something to enjoy. Who's your second half cup cont- cup pick? My second half cup pick. Gonna have to go with Colorado just because of how dominant they've been. I mean, last time I said Colorado was gonna win the cup, they ended up losing four straight in the uh, playoff in the playoffs. So hopefully this doesn't come back to bite me in the ass this time around. But I think it'll be Colorado. They're just too they're just too good. They're a well oiled machine. What about you? I agree with you hundred percent. That's uh you said Colorado, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, I have said it from the beginning of the season. I'm sticking by my guns now. Um, I, I, the only thing that scares me is Minnesota with how they're playing right now. And like, my sec- they, They're my second half dark horse. I yeah. think they're going to make a deep run. You know who else is kind of a sleeper right now? I know they're sitting in a playoff spot and have played good this season, but Pittsburgh. I mean, the Penguins coming out of the East, I could see them making another cup final. I mean, they have been phenomenal all season. They kind of re- rekindled what they've had. Um, and look, I mean, Jake Gensel is the face of this team right now and just kind of, and I mean, when you got Crosby, just when you have Sidney Crosby yeah. on your team, I'm not betting against them. Okay. And Tristan Jari looks phenomenal on that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tristan Jari, uh, he has looked phenomenal too. The, the Penguins goaltending situation actually looks good for once there, um, with Jari. Penguins could definitely be a dark horse, uh, go on a deep run in the East. I think the wild actually would be able to make a deep run in the West too. It wouldn't surprise me if either of those two teams made the conference finals at all uh, for that, for, for, for either conference. I would be okay with the, I would be okay with that happening there. Um, let's see here. What am I? I, don't know, I think Vegas though with a healthy Jack Eichel could be scary as well. Vegas with a healthy Jack Eichel definitely will will be scary. If Vegas can Vegas with a healthy Jack Eichel, it'll be them in Colorado in the Western Conference Finals. Agreed. Uh, um, the Kraken have been a letdown this season. The Kraken I mean, have no been one expected whatever. much from them, but I mean, we saw Vegas their first year make the playoffs, the, and now you got Seattle, who's just kind of a bottom feeder in the league. We, we knew that was going to happen, though. We we knew that they're building for the future. I mean, even yeah. though with who they signed in free agency, um. Uh, they, they're just building for the future. So I think what happens there is like whatever happens, happens. Um, I mean, they're not doing a, They're not doing great. They're not doing terrible. But the thing is, though, is like, obviously, they'll probably build off of this and about they'll build off of this and go from there next season. Uh, it all depends on like what they do in free agency, what they do in the draft, if they make any trades. Um, another thing that, another thing that I'm looking forward to is just, uh, just wa- just watching TNT's coverage and watching Biz Nasty get roasted by, uh, either Gretzky or Anson Carter or anybody in general, honestly. I love Always. seeing Biz on the networks. Always fun to see Biz on the networks there. Um, but that's what I'm looking for. That I think that covers like what I'm looking forward to. I mean, first half pretty entertaining, had some surprises. Second half definitely will be a good sight to see, especially as we get closer to the playoffs. Yeah, definitely, definitely the biggest will... letdown has been Edmonton and Calgary this year, though, I think, for, for me. I mean, I know Calgary kind of has got it going now, but Edmonton, no one 
really expected them to be kind of Edmonton was a wagon and then once with once Ryan Whitney called them a wagon they started shitting the bed you can't call teams wagon it's the chicklets curse you call a team a wagon and they shit the bed for a little bit although this shit the bed has been more like fucking diarrhea yeah it has been pretty in Edmonton but they're still got games in hand and still could get up into playoff spots if they would win those Mm -hmm. Um, but we'll have to see Remember, if a team not named the Oilers wins the cup, you have to get a tattoo of that team's logo. Yeah, I'm still deciding where I want to put it. Yeah, I, I don't so think the, they're winning the cup, so I got to decide somewhere to put it. Yeah, <laughs> they may not even make the playoffs. <laughs> that'd be a that'd be a huge letdown. Hey, look on the bright. It, I would just do it on my thigh somewhere. There you go. Look on the bright side. If it's the Avs, like that's not a team that you have a problem with. But imagine if it was Boston. <laughs> Uh, can we have an agreement if it's Boston? I don't have to get it just based on the fact that we both hate that city. No, please. I'll run a poll. Uh, I, that's I mean, one. That's one team I would not want. Like I would rather have the Maple Leafs in Boston. <laughs> that, you don't have to worry about the Maple Leafs. They're not winning past the first round. But um, uh, uh, I still have that in mind there about that. I'll run a poll. See what happens. Hopefully the people can be nice to me. That'd be nice. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, I, doubt uh, it, I doubt it too. But we'll you see what? what happens. Maybe there. it would be like I'll get like the throwback, like Colorado logo. The one that looks like the Colorado Rockies, or yes. do you? Okay, I was gonna say you can't yeah, get the yes, Nordique. That was a complete different team. No, I know. I want their that like maybe the, the one on their shoulder patch is a cool one as well. Yeah, that is cool there, too. Um, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll get the foot. You remember the foot? Yeah, I do remember the foot. Oh, boy. <laughs> that was an interesting one there. If you if the if the Bruins win the cup, I would not get the B, actually. If if I, if you had to get a Bruins tattoo, I would actually have you get the bear, make you get the bear logo. I'd rather do the bear than the B. Um, also, if so, if if Colorado does win it, I'll probably get their alternate logo that has like the like it's like the triangle and then the C in the middle. The Rockies, the old color, the the Rockies one. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's the Rockies. That's the Rockies of uh, uh, logo that they call it there. So that one would be pretty cool there. But yeah, we'll see what happens in the second half of the season. Well, obviously, there's plenty of games to go. We'll see how our Sabres do. We'll see how the Avalanche do. We'll see how the Oilers do. And we'll see if we and we'll see how everybody else in between does, depending on everything um, for as the season progresses. But let's focus more towards soccer now. <laughs> as first things first, there's one topic that I forgot to mention to you about, like when we were planning it. Uh, before I go into my little rant here about my local soccer team, we had talked about this briefly during the week about yeah. how the Syria wants to have a tournament during the time of the World Cup here in the United States with the players that are not participating in the World Cup. Let's so, who would watch that? Honestly. For shits and giggles, if there's nothing to watch, maybe potentially I would watch a game or two, but I wouldn't watch much. I mean, the thing is, though, is like you're pre- like the, it's not it's not a good idea. Let's be honest here, because the thing is, though, is you're going to take all your team. You're going to take the players and coaches from the teams out of your home country, put them in a country in a different time zone that will be competing. Not, not that 
for for casual fans, <laughs> not only will they be competing with ratings for the World Cup, but also for the NFL season, the NBA season, and the NHL season. Who get like if it comes to America, who's gonna buy tickets? Like who's gonna actually go watch one of these games unless tickets are like five dollars and you have nothing going on? I'm not fucking gonna buy a ticket for fucking I, Uden, where, I'm, for Sampdoria and fucking Salteriana. I'm not fucking doing that. That's but yeah, where would they play? Like clearly MLS stadiums, but it's like what what the fuck? Oh, I have no clue. I mean, this had this actually has no sense into it whatsoever like i remember when i saw that rumor i'm like why would you want to do that i mean i can understand like why if they want to keep like their team their players in shape because of in game shape that is because let's be honest here i mean the world cup this year is just throwing everything off with postponing um uh well not postponing but putting the seasons in putting the european seasons on pause so obviously like Teams would either want to do front, so teams really don't need to do anything because it's more of a, more along the lines of like a fall break. But I just don't think this is a good idea, honestly. Coming over here from your home, coming over here from Italy, not a good idea in general. I mean, if you wanted to do it, maybe if you wanted to do it, maybe in the summer, then that would be something else. Because obviously there's not going to be anything going on in the summer, whether it's club or international level, because of when when the World Cup is. But to do it in November, here in the United States, when the climate situation is not that great, and then also having and then also not having your top players, also competing with the World Cup, also competing with with our actual domestic sports that happen in our country, it's not a great idea. And the thing is, though, is that the marketing of this would have to be out of completely out of this world to actually make it somewhat of a success. And I just don't think it can happen. Well, none of the good players will be here anyways because they'll all be at the World Cup. So it's like Juventus comes here. What are they bringing? Their B squad? Like, who wants to see them? It's going to be like. It's going to be like when. You know how, like, you, you know how, like. Well, before all this bull, all this stuff with COVID and everything happened, you know how like the European soccer teams go on their like preseason tours. They would come here to the United States. They would go over to Asia. They would go to uh, or over to Asia or Australia or whatever. That's what it would be like, in my opinion. Well, they I know would it would be st- like that, but without because even on that in their preseason tour, most of the time the good players come with them. Well, the thing is, though, is the good players come with them, but the thing is, though, is those good players don't play. They'll, they play mainly their B and C team. So it would be kind of like that, in my opinion. I don't think – I don't think – I actually don't think it would be a success because of that. So, like, you're going to have, like, B and C team players part playing here, and the casual fan, they're not going to know who – the casual fan won't know who the, who half of the squads are. You'll have literally the diehards who – May or may not be a few hundred, um, depending on where they're where they're going. Because as much as we love soccer, we know that a lot of people in this country are only casual fans of certain clubs. They don't fo- and if they follow a specific league, the casual fans only know about the Premier League. They don't know about the Serie A. They don't know about La Liga. They don't know much about the Bundesliga and good luck trying to explain league Un and maybe the Portuguese league to them. 
Yeah, I don't. It's this makes no sense, and I'm sure the most players won't. Let's be honest. What are the, what are these players are going to want to come to America to play in a tournament? Like you said, they're away from their families in a different time zone. So I just don't see how this goes and anywhere. And it's practically for naught, anyways. It's not like it's not like it's not like they're going to get anything out of it. It's not like saying, "Hey, the Copa Italia is coming to the United States." Uh, no, this is just a mid-season post. This is just a mid-season unpause. A mid-season unpause tournament. Here you go. Maybe we'll give you a, a million dollars if you win. Makes no sense to me. Makes no sense at all. I don't understand it. I don't think it will be a success. I don't think it's. I don't think it. I don't, I don't think it should happen. Um, obviously, like these are only rumors. But if it does happen, whoever whoever came up with that idea, scrap it, please. Toss it out. Throw it into the trash. Just put it into a dumpster. Have it float down the river somewhere. I we don't need it. I agree. I I probably wouldn't watch to be honest, unless it was for like background noise. I guess just but pretty I, much. But it's like, let's be honest. Like, which one of us actually follows Syria intensely besides the top three clubs there and Inter, AC, and Juventus? I mean, I do pay attention to Roma, Napoli, uh, Atalanta. They are pretty exciting. But the thing is, though, is like I said, you have to be a diehard. You actually have to be a diehard, actually, to follow like the other teams in the Serie A and just other teams in general. Like, if you had told me, like maybe the pre, like if you had told me maybe like the Premier League was doing this, I'd pay more attention. But the thing is, though, is that just because it's my Premier League bias there. But other than that, like I've got nothing else to say. I mean, I like I said, just scrap the idea, forget about it. Toss it in the trash. Have that. Have that trash go into go out the door somewhere, and forget the whole idea. And just have your players rest, relax, and enjoy the World Cup. Enjoy the break during the World Cup in November. I agree. I agree one hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, sticking to soccer. This is not during the World Cup. This will actually be. Not. This will be before the world. This will be before the World Cup. So, here in the United States, our soccer tier tiers are skewed, different, weird. However, you want to talk about it, it's that's a debate for another day. In the United States, we have like we have like we, everybody knows the MLS, but we have leagues below the MLS. One of the leagues below the MLS is like the fifth or sixth tier of soccer in the United States. It's on a professional level called the National Independent Soccer Association, which is also known as NISA. Here in my home city of Rochester, we have a team that was founded in 20, that was just founded last year, and they will be participating in in the NISA League for the first time in this year. In 2022, they are called Flower City Union. They, I believe, we had talked about them a little bit on a prior episode, maybe a month, maybe a few months ago, only briefly. They, the NISA schedule was released just a few days ago, sometime last week. In fact, I believe it was actually a, actually a week ago today that what it was released, and. They w- they officially have their season set to participate in NISA that will begin on the, I'm pretty sure it's March 26th. They will be playing against another team that will be participating in NISA here in New York called the AC Syracuse Pulse. 
And away from the game, I'm just excited that professional soccer, well, soccer on a professional level is back in a city that has a rich soccer history, to say the least. This city and its history of soccer goes back to the 60s and 70s. It goes back to the 60s and 70s with the old Rochester Lancers of the old North American Soccer League, where they actually played against teams in Mexico, teams in England, uh, actual teams in England. They played against South American teams in friendlies. They won the 1970 North American Soccer League title. And then even with the old Rochester Rhinos competing in the USL and winning the US Open Cup in 1999, obviously, like that's all that's all history now. But I'm excited to see that Flower City Union has a schedule out that they are participating in a professional league, even though it's like the sixth tier of American soccer. Um, I'm looking forward to the I-90 Derby as their fir- as their first game of the of of their t- as their first official game in Nisa. Um, I'm calling it the I-90 Derby because the 90 connects both Rochester and Syracuse, and I'm going and I want to try and hype it up as the Derby of the of the lower leagues in North in United States soccer, obviously in Europe. You've got great derbies like the Milan Derby, El Clasico, the Manchester Derby, the Merseyside Derby, the North uh, the North London Derby. Uh, you also have um, their Clasico as well, and uh, the Dar- eh. Then you also have great derbies such as River Plate versus Boca Juniors in Argentina the Cascadia Derby between Portland and Seattle and the MLS. But now the next great Derby is going to be the I-90 Derby and Syracuse won't know what they're, what will hit that on March 26th. My good sir, where, hello. I was muted. <laughs> Oh boy! Sorry about that. I muted my <laughs> I muted my uh, mic. I'm sorry about that. Oh, you're all good there. Make you look a little silly. Made me look. Made the podcast look a little silly there, mate. Well, people don't come here and expect perfection, do they? No, this is very true. This is very true. They don't. I don't think they expect much of us. This is true. Um, I don't expect much of us either, but that's fine. This is very true myself there, but hey, we've made it this far with our podcast here. But no, I'm excited for that. Um, I'm excited for all of that, and I know that this is something that you don't really know much about there. But I do want a little. I do want a little opinion based off of what I based off of what you uh, based off of this there from you, sir. No, I mean, the I ninety derby will be just fun. Just I mean, a- any soccer is good soccer to me. Um, just based on the fact that like we need to grow the game in America. So it's like it doesn't hurt to have these type of things like like the Flower City coming up. Is, I know you when they first talk, you first talked about on the podcast when they first announced the team and you expressed your excitement about it. Yeah, I mean, my thing is is like we do need to grow the game in America. We do need to like go into the lower depths and like in, like into the lower depths of like Amer like soccer in this country as a whole. And my thing is about the whole situation is that like they. 
I, I, I'm excited to see like what the season brings for them. I'm excited to see like how long, hopefully that this team is around for a very long time here in Rochester. Um, obviously like the lower leagues in American soccer kind of are kind of like the lower leagues in England where obviously like they build around the community and everything. So hopefully that can happen too. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I mean, rumor has it apparently uh, AC Syracuse, <laughs> their first opponent actually has not been doing much to like actually grow the team in, in the Syracuse region, <laughs> which is not ideal there. Um, but still nonetheless, nonetheless, like, uh, they are competing in a league. They are competing in a league not only with Syracuse, but there is a team in Chattanooga. There's like five teams. There's there's actually a bunch of teams in California. A team in Maryland too. So it's not actually just localized. Like they're I, actually. I do think though, like if you United States doesn't want to grow the game, somehow get all these like leagues together, like be under like the like the MLS and kind of like go down from there and do a promotion relegation uh, type system like they do over in England. I think that could help tremendously. And definitely get more talent in as well. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, promotion relegation definitely needs to happen. And another thing too is like everybody. What what a lot of people like that follow soccer in the United States don't know is that we actually have a domestic cup competition called the U.S. Open Cup. And I really don't think that how that tournament is run is a great way to run it. Like you have the lower clubs facing off against each other like in the first three rounds and then the MLS Cubs cup teams, uh, the MLS clubs join later in the competition. Whereas I think it should be more like how the Germans do it. Like you have, like you literally could have like a lower league team playing against like, and well, that's how an MLS does it, team. Though. the um, uh, premier league teams don't join until round three. Yeah, exactly. But, but, I, but the, I do think I, I am with you. I think they should put the MLS teams in right away. Oh, I agree. Like, come on. Imagine, like, the Seattle Sounders having to travel to, uh, shit, I don't know, FC Buffalo. Imagine FC Buffalo in the U.S. Open Cup and Seattle comes in and play and plays against them in Buffalo. That would be insane. I would go or, see that game. Or maybe, like, the Portland – or New York Red Bulls going to Charleston to take on the Charleston <laughs> Battery in the USL or whatever craziness I can think of here. Um, let's see here. I don't know. Pit, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds of the USL going to going to take on LAFC. <laughs> like that would be so. That's what I think the game the game of soccer in the United States needs to happen. I mean, I mean, as mentioned, like imagine like Flower City Union taking on like if they if they because they are participating in the US Open Cup actually I do know that so instead of them playing like a instead of them playing like a USL League 1 team imagine if they took on like a USL championship team or even a team in MLS that would be insane and I'd be here for it like you something you need something you get like crazy. A, you get like a nice upset as well give like a good upset you know do something for the community here as well I think because that's what I think the team is about I think that's what Nisa as a whole is about Whereas, like with MLS, like obviously them being a prof- them being a more professional league, obviously, in my opinion, they just want to generate revenue. Uh, they just want to generate revenue because let's let's be honest here, they generate re- they generate the revenue based off of you know asses and seats and TV deals, which a TV deal is up by the way almost. Do you think ESPN um, renews it? I think they do, but I think they can do a better job of how they promote the league too. I agree. 
that's another conf- that's another thing that that disappoints oh, yeah. me too. Uh, for that, I mean, I'm just looking. F- I'm just looking forward to. Honestly, you know, I really think that there can be improvements in American soccer. I think Nisa is doing a good job with how they're expand with how they're expanding in the lower tiers. I've, I'm excited for Flower City Union as a whole uh, when the, when the season starts. Um, uh, hopefully, ho- um, uh, one of my fr- one of my uh, one of my friends actually is an intern for the as an intern for the uh, for the pro for the club actually, and he told me that there was a Reddit post like there's a Nisa Reddit section. And he told me that in the Nisa Reddit section, like there's projected standings, and apparently they were predicted to finish seventh in the league, which top six apparently in Nisa make the Nisa playoffs. But then, like, so four of the California teams are gonna like battle it out for the top four, and then apparently Reddit users were saying, "Oh, Flower City Union will uh, somehow will compete for f- spots between in spots five to seven and be in that contention there." So I'm like, "Okay, maybe we, maybe we, maybe Reddit knows something that we don't hear." Uh, I never look at. To be honest, I'm not on Reddit. I don't really know how to use it. I'm not on Reddit either. I, I guess... I've, I've, I've downloaded it once. I got confused, and then I deleted the app right away, and I've never been on it since. Reddit users, I don't know what the heck goes on there. On I feel like they're a different breed. Reddit users are definitely a different breed. They control the stock market for four days, for fuck's sake. And then the stock market won in the end, unfortunately. Sadly. Uh, the big boys won there. Welcome to uh, America. <laughs> Welcome to a, This is America. Where, you, where dreams come, this is America. Where dreams come where, to die. Where dreams come to die, practically. But I don't. I didn't want to go that dark. But I'm not going that dark because we're the best fucking country in the world. This is very true. This is very true. I'm happy where we're at. We could be a lot. We could be off a lot worse. But moving on to our. Actually, no. We're we're actually making very good progress here. We're actually on to our final our final topics. Actually, you wanting to talk about the Saudi Golf League, and then I'll give my final thoughts on the baseball lockout after that. So yeah. I'll let you give the floor is yours. All right. So first, I just want to give a shout out to the to the most electric game on grass right now with the waste management golf tournament going on and just teeing off today. Um, if you get a chance to check it out over the weekend, I definitely recommend it. Um, definitely going to be on your ESPN app if you have ESPN plus. Um, but the waste management open is just a fun golf tournament. Um, it's big. Like I said, it's just the biggest party on grass. Um, I put $5 on Kepka to win. You're looking good right now. He's in second. Yeah. Um, Plus 1000 odds. Let's go. Let's go. Brooksy. He's won that tournament. He's won that tournament twice before he's the defending champ. Oh, but it's nice to see fans back there this year, just with how rowdy they get. I know last year it was a little funky because of COVID and like what they had, but all celebrities go there. I mean, you just get people, you never see this in golf. You just get drunk people screaming at the golfers all day. It's amazing to see. So I definitely recommend you give it a watch over the weekend um, if you get any time. But I do want to talk about the Saudi Golf League and kind of where I stand on it now. Um, so as of right now, I mean, Greg Norman is like kind of the face of the, uh, right now he's like the face of the Saudi Golf League. And Isn't so, he like in charge of it almost? Yeah, yeah, basically. Like, I guess you can call him like a commissioner of some sorts. Um, but no, so the Saudi Golf League, I actually think it has a good chance to get started because, I mean, players are frustrated with the PGA, especially Phil Mickelson with you saw the comments he had made. And I know a lot of people, I, I don't want to talk about like 
whether I like it. I just want to talk about the fact that people are um, – I think if it happens, it's a great thing because of the money they're going to be putting into these players, whereas these players should be making so much more than they are now just because the PGA is very strict with all their media management and, like, they only own the right to put out videos and stuff. I mean, it's just very weird with, like, how, like, they're screwing these players. It's, like, with the pit program, like, I don't like how, like, they you don't know really who the winner is. We only knew because Phil Mickelson tweeted it. And it wasn't even announced yet. So, like, who actually knows? Um, but so the Saudi Golf League, um, it, it kind of has a backing right now. I mean, the only real player that spoke out against it was Rory McIlroy. But there has been on other players who have talked about him, like, yeah, if, like, the money's there. And, like, other, like, everyone else is going. Like, I'm going to go there. It's like they offered uh, Bryson DeChambeau $135 million um, to go be the face of the Golf League over there. And now a lot of people are talking about, okay, well, it's probably not right because of all their human rights violations and stuff. But it's like, you look at all these other leagues as well. It's like, they're all like, especially the NBA, like with like back in China and stuff. It's like, I don't want to get like political here, but it's like, I hate when people say that. Cause you look at all these other leagues and like, they're talking about, Oh, the money's not clean. Well, no money's clean in any of these sports leagues. I'm sorry. A bunch of these, a bunch of these people are just making shady deals to get more money for the, for their sport. So it's like, I respect like what they're trying to do. Like, I don't get me wrong. I don't respect like Saudis at all with what they do to women and the reporters and stuff. But it's like, if they're going to pay these players this much money, I think I would take it. Who cares? It's like, you look at who cares where the money's coming from. I mean, 135 million is 135 million. This I is mean, very true. It's there. like, this is it, very true. There. It's like, especially if everyone's going there, you want to golf wants to grow the game as it is. I think this is a perfect opportunity with the money they can put in there. And they're clearly not going to be in Saudi like all the time. Like they're going to have, there's going to be like the PGA where they're going to travel. And it's like the USGA even said like players could go play that they want. And they're still allowed at the U S open and the PGA championships because they are not PGA tour like owned type of things. No, um, they're not. So they're, the players are able to go play there. So I think people are kind of making headway with, them. I mean, a lot of players have been asked about it. Um, Dustin Johnson said he likes the concept. Um, and he thinks it's more like he thinks it's interesting for the fans and stuff. Uh, Phil Mickelson's definitely interested in w- with where he had talked about, like, if you saw him about the media. I mean, Lee Westwood said, yeah, they're going to offer me like $50 million to go play golf. He goes, I- I'll go play. Um, you got the Shambo and didn't really give a answer about it, but he kind of said he's not a politician. I'm a golfer and he just wants to play where the best golfers are in the world. You have uh, Kyle Morikawa saying, like, when it comes to Saudi, um, it's just about growing the game more than anything. Cantley said um, he he might. Um, Hovland said as long as Hovland didn't really make a comment on it, but you see all these big names coming through, and it's like it's like they probably would. It's oh, a hundred percent. Tiger Woods made a joke when asked about it. He said he doesn't want to go over there. It's just a long way to go. He kind of made a joke about it. But um, you just look at it, it's like if they're offering these players this much money, I mean, especially like so you take a guy like Patrick Cantley, I think he has made I think they offered him around like seventy eight million dollars um, and his career earnings like seventy eight million for four years, I believe it is. Over his PGA Tour career, he has only made seventy five million dollars. Like it's still, yes, it's a good amount of money, but they're offering you that straight up. It's like, yes, I get you have like more chances to make money here, but it's like. It took you a whole career to get there. You could get that with just a sign of a signature. And I just hate the fact that people were talking about how it wouldn't be right for the players to go over there because of all they like all the Saudis do. It's like these players aren't going there and backing the country to make it a good country. They're going there to grow the game. 
Exactly. So you look at the My, NBA; they do their China, they do like their China, their, their their China Heritage Month or whatever it is. It's like do you know they do, the chi- they do the Chinese heritage. And yeah, it's like, do you know China. how many human violations they, this place has? It's like why yeah. are you complaining about that? You're just turning a blind eye to that. But then when it comes to these golfers and the Saudis, it's like why? What, what's the difference? My thing is is that is this. I'm actually going to get a little political here, and I try not to on the podcast, but I am going to get a little political here. As you mentioned, no money is fucking clean. No money anywhere in the world is clean. It's all dirty money. It's all dirty money, all dirty laundry. Shit happens everywhere in the world. Nobody's perfect. Nobody. When you look throughout history in deals for sports, in deals between countries, in the history of countries, Nothing is clean. Nothing is perfect. You're not going to find anybody. You're not going to find one country in the world that didn't do anything illegal, stupid, or just downright ugly. You're not. If you if you try to tell me that there's one country in the world that has a clean history, that has a clean that has a clean bill of health, a clean slate, that they are the most perfect country in the world, you're lying through your fucking teeth. Okay, it's complete bullshit. While I can, uh, like, yes, the Saudi Golf League, obviously, it's a whatever to me. Am I going to be a fan? I don't, I just don't want to watch golf. And if they're, if they're in Saudi Arabia a good amount of time, obviously the time zone difference will be, will be there. Am I going to want to watch golf at like, am I going to wake up and want to wake up and watch golf at like, say six in the morning when, when they're seven, eight hours ahead? Probably not. That's the only complaint I'll have there. But when you look at deals between organizations, leagues, the NBA is a the NBA and their relationship with China. When you look at FIFA and their relationships that they've created. When you look at the IOC and the relationships that they've created. How come nobody? The Olympics are a perfect example. There, these Olympics are a perfect perfect example. Nobody has been, people have been bitching, moaning, complaining. We should have boycotted. About boycotting the Olympics, and nobody fucking did a single thing. A couple, okay? a, a bunch of countries did. A bunch of countries did, but we did not. Instead, we're, be, instead we're whining, we're moaning, okay? And then even with, with the FIFA World Cup in November in, in Qatar, like, nobody really has actually, they've been saying, like, oh, this, is, this, this World Cup shouldn't happen here. It was uh, bribery, corruption, the human rights violations. People have died building these stadiums. But the thing is, though, is like, it's not like countries are still going to send their top players for their national teams. People are still going to be able to go to, everybody is still going to be able to go to the games. Everybody, the sponsors are still going to be there, though. everything for the, when it comes to this the olympics the same thing the ioc doesn't give the ioc pretends that they care but they don't give a shit like it just kind of annoys me based off of what's happening here for this because like qatar china we know we know what they do but the thing is though is nobody actually does anything to stop it 
if you get what I'm saying, if you get what I'm saying there. Exactly. And that's, and then people are also talking about, oh, who's going to pick up the broadcasting rights? You know, someone's going to, I mean, D- Disney still will film in China and thank them. So someone's going to pick up the rights for this league, especially if all the good golfers are going there to put it on TV. I'm sorry, but these companies are like, I, I just like these companies don't care. All they care about is making a profit. And it sucks to say, I don't want to get like too political here, but it's like, Disney pulled filming out of Georgia because of their abortion laws, but yet they will go to China where they're literally killing girls because they're a girl when they're come out of the womb. Well, the one child law, thankfully it does not exist anymore for that there, but yes, I mean, the thing is though, is like the child shit. We may be fucking off by the time we finish this podcast oh, yeah. by the time we're done here. But when you look at the shadiness of China, when you look at the shadiness of Russia, when you look at the shadiness of Qatar, I mean, nobody's really, nobody's turning a, people are turning a blind eye for that. But yet when the Saudi Golf League is announced, people are complaining and moaning and it's just like, uh, like we know what the Saudis have done. We know what the Qataris do. We know what the Chinese do. We know what the Russians do. Like those governments, those countries, they're politically and economically unstable. I mean, and, but the thing is though, it's just it, like why uh, be why be why be hypocritical towards one action or one specific country, government, group of people when it happens in other places and and nobody actually cares there uh, for that. There they choose to turn a blind eye. My thing is this: money's dirty. Players, athletes are not going there to these countries in support of what these governments do they're going there to grow their sports these countries are these countries want to grow their games the sports that these athletes participate in and if the saudis are willing to do a better job of growing the game of golf than the pga is you bet your ass i'm gonna go to the fucking saudi golf league Exactly. And like, I know we kind of got a little political here, but it's like the people need to hear like how we like feel about this. And I, I think it's fair that, that we state our state our points about it. It's like, we could not like not everyone. I'm sorry, but not everyone likes to turn like a blind eye to these things. And like, if you do, like you should be called out for it. Exactly. Exactly. You should be called uh, for, like Why, why have an issue with it. one thing, but then there's another thing just as bad. And you're like, well, it's making me money. So I don't care. It shouldn't be that way. You either accept everything or you turn everything down that you know isn't right. Exactly. That's exactly how it is there for that. Um, My thing is that my thing is this. People do need to hear about it. People shouldn't be hypocritical. If you like these Olympics are a perfect example. I mean, everybody's been talking about China's human rights issue issues with violating human rights. You have a ten. You have a ten. China has a tennis player who accused a high-ranking Communist Party official of sexual assault. Nobody knew where she was for two months. She comes out of high. She comes out of quote unquote either hiding or disappearance. Nobody knows where she was for these two months. She makes an appearance during the Olympics and then backtracks in an interview what she had said. And denies that, and denies that what she accused of this official, high-ranking government official of doing, doing what they did. 
No, she was just she was just in a she was just in an education camp. That's all. They had to they had to teach her a lesson with more sexual assault. I hope not. That's probably thought, what happened, though. It probably is what happened. But the thing is, though, is like it just disgusts me how like that we turn a. It just disgusts me. We turn a blind eye for what they do, for what ch- the Chinese government, the Russian government, any governments like that do. But then when it comes to the Saudis, like everybody's like, oh no, Saudis are bad. Like. If you're going to complain about one, complain about them all. The athletes obviously know what the athletes aren't dumb. They know what these they know what these countries do. But the thing is, though, if that's where if that's where the money is to grow the sport, they're going to do it. It's like it's like anywhere else. If you are if if you're off, if if you're a celebrity that a streaming service wants to give you a hundred million dollar contract to do a TV show, but they have ties to some illegal organization. Maybe some moral grounds, you won't take the money, but there's a good chance they would take the money, but they would only do it to enhance their career. Not because of supporting what streaming services do on a business level. Obviously it happens in any industry. It happens anywhere. So we're not like we're not we're not new to this. This has been happening. But the thing is, though, is don't be hypocritical about it. And that's the only thing I have to say about that. You you you, you stated that very well. Yeah. So it happens like speaking of hypocrites. And I apologize if I've taken your spotlight from you with your soapbox there. You oh, can take no, some. You could take some of mine if you want. Oh no, this is your wheelhouse. This is this all is my wheelhouse. Oh yeah. fuck, Rob Manfred, he's a piece of dog shit. Oh, the man needs to resign. But the thing is, though, is baseball lockout update time. Rob Manfred has not resigned. Sadly, I was hoping he would have resigned when he had his press conference this morning, but it looks like things may be changing for the better. I'm not entirely sure here. Earlier la- earlier in the week, sometime last week, earlier this week, base- Major League Baseball announced that they wanted to take the lockout to a federal arbitrator, and the Players Association said no. Um, I'm kind of glad that it didn't go to an arbitrator because the last time baseball lockout went to arbitration, it was 94. Neither of us were alive, but the thing is, though, is we know what happened looking at the history of it. Lockout happened for seven months. The, se- the rest of the 94 season was canceled. There was no World Series. They couldn't, baseball didn't recover for a few more years. Um, so I'm glad that the arbitration, uh, that they're not going to an arbitrator in that sense. But in this sense, I wish that the Players Association and the league or owners would meet more often. They're not meeting again until Saturday. It'll be their fifth meeting since December 1st when the lockout was officially announced. Rob Manfred, as mentioned, had a meet, had a meeting today, not a meeting, a press conference today where he did announce that spring training was not going to be delayed, that they are optimistic that uh, the season will start on time with its March 31st opening day. But he did make a couple announcements in regards to some changes that will be happening uh, once this season officially begins. Apparently, Major League Baseball will be shifting to a draft lottery um, for its drafting system. Instead, so it will be like the NBA and the NHL, where whoever whoever wins the lottery gets the top pick. 
and then it, and then go and then it just goes from there for that uh, in terms of like the rate in terms of the draft order. And then also it looks like that Major League Baseball will be switching to the universal DH starting this season, which means we won't see pitchers hitting in Major League Baseball ever again. Um, whether or not you let, whether or not people like that, that's up for debate. My thing is, is that I used to be, I used to be the guy that was like, no pitchers should hit. It's a whatever pitchers should hit, no DH, whatever. Now I look at how pitchers have been getting injured when they're not pitching. If they get injured and in that bat, they don't, managers don't want to risk it because if the pitcher gets injured, who knows how long they'll be out for compared to somebody else, compared to somebody that is another position player on the team. So it's completely understandable there for that. Um, as mentioned, the players and the owners in the league, they're going to meet on Saturday. Hopefully get some, t- hopefully get some talks on the table. Hopefully get some good discussions in. I just need this to end. The drama's annoying. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm I'm over it. I really am. At this point I want the I, at this point I just want Rob Manford to announce the end of the lockout and also announce the that he's resigning. The only thing that sucks is, is if he ever does resign, I don't know who would take over as commissioner. Me and you. So if he, huh? Me and you. Uh, we sh- we're going to run everything at this point. We're going to run Major League Baseball, we're going to run the Oilers. I feel like uh, we could run all of those at one time better than some of these GMs. Some of these GMs potentially there. We're also gonna we're also gonna manage Sunderland over in the uh, English League One as well. We're gonna finally take our club to pro- our new club to prominence after joking about that for many years. And with that being said, as mentioned, we're gonna take over everything. But for right now, we're just gonna enjoy running our little podcast here with all of you, our wonderful listeners. And with that being said, you can follow us on Twitter, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. As mentioned again, follow us on Twitter at LHS Podcast 2021. With that being said, until the next episode, keep on carrying on. And well, we'll take Sunderland over one day.